evidence and answers. We are living in unprecedented times. Tension in the Middle East, the COVID pandemic, economic turmoil, global warming, and more. Many people sense we are headed for some kind of apocalyptic end. What is God's plan for the end of this age? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. At the Evidence and Answers 2020 End Times Conference, Dr. Andrew Woods and Dr. Pat Zucran answered some of the challenging questions that were asked during the Q&A session. Now, here's part one. Aloha, everyone, and welcome back to our final session. Some find this the most enjoyable session. This is the live Q&A session, and Dr. Andy Woods is with us to answer some of your questions that uh, you have asked. Uh, there's a bunch of really good, no dumb questions here. I don't care how basic you think it is. Okay, any questions, a good question, all right? And we'll try to answer all that we can in the last 45 minutes that we have together, okay? So you ready to go, Andy? Yes, yes, I am. All right. First question here is, why do you think the book of Revelation was written? Go ahead, Andy. Sure. Well, I think um, you have to go back to uh, chapters 2 and 3 which is the audience. And there you learn it was written to seven letters, to seven you know, r- very real churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Laodicea, etc. And these are churches that had real problems. Number one, they were letting sin into their midst. I heard you, Patrick, a couple of times talk about you know, how we need to not compromise with sin as Christians, and that's what was happening, you know, to five of those seven churches. And so it's a reminder to them that God hates sin, and here's the end-time vision to explain God's program is to get rid of sin one day entirely and to recreate a world with no sin in it. And before that, he's going to judge sin. So I think this would have an effect on them to get right with the Lord. He who thinks often of his coming purifies himself even as he is pure, First John chapter 3, 2, right in there, says that. And also, the, those seven churches were discouraged. They were, two of the seven were being persecuted, and so they needed to be reminded that God wins. <laughs> that's how you can summarize the book of Revelation, God wins. So I would say that's the two reasons it's given, not just to those churches, but to any church, even today. Any church in the last 2,000 years right up to today, it's a reminder to live holy as a Christian, and it's a reminder that God wins, and so we need not be discouraged. Yeah, fantastic. Next question here, that's for you, Andy. Andy, with Gamatria 666 correlating to the Greek alphabet, has the name of the Antichrist been determined? If so, who is it? Just curious since we'll be raptured by them. Thank you. Right. Well, I would say it has not been determined. The only thing that will happen is when the name of the lawless one is known, and we don't, we don't know who that is, and we don't know what his name will be. But whatever it'll be, my understanding of 666 is you supply the right numbers to the right letters, and it will yield the total 666. So we won't know until we know who it is and who his name is. So... Before that point in time, uh, everything is just a guess, guessing game. 
I like what the person says there in the question, you know, we're going to have the best seats in the house <laughs> to see the answer to that, which is in heaven as the raptured church. Yes. All right. Next question. What do you think about the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset? What are your thoughts on that, Andy? Well, I think the, I mean, first of all, let's define what that is. It's a group of people that met in Davos and it's headed by a guy named Schwab, Klaus Schwab, and Bill Gates, you know, is very involved with this. And it's basically a, a mindset that's basically wanting to reset the entire world, you know, according to their one world agenda. So that will mean, you know, vaccinations and microchips, you know, for everybody. It will mean resetting the currency. So we have a one world currency. And they think this is going to solve all, and it'll, it'll involve all these draconian regulations to regulate in the name of so-called climate change. And COVID-19, you know, is a big part of this whole thing. So it's just a group of people, and they, they're, they're the ones that have the upper hand right now that are using COVID-19 as a pretext to reset the world. And what I believe is that they are being satanically used to erase nations and their power. That's why they want to get rid of Donald Trump. That's probably when you track the voting machine issue, you know, Dominion and Smartmatic and all that kind of stuff. It's always linked back to these globalists like George Soros. So basically what they're doing with COVID-19 is they're creating a world in their own liking, according to their ambition of one world government for the future. And without even knowing it, because these people are satanically influenced and Satan has, the God of this age has blinded their minds without even doing it, or without even knowing it, I should say they're setting the stage for the Antichrist one world agenda. Yeah, you know, Andy, I look at things going around the world and it's kind of like, you know, when you're doing big wave surfing here in Hawaii, you're out there on your surfboard and here's a gigantic wave coming at you. And you're, you're on a collision course, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, this wave is just coming at you, and you can't stop it. And it's coming, and it seems like the events in this world and things that are going on with technology and science and the economics and the crisis we're facing, it seems like that wave is coming, and really there's nothing we can do about it. It's just coming. You get that feeling? Yeah, I, if I wasn't a Christian, you know, I'd be tearing my hair out. I see a lot of guys that are conservatives, you know, like myself, that believe in the Constitution and limited government, but I can't really tell if they're saved or not. And so they're just going crazy because their America that they love, and I love it too, is being torn down. But if you don't have Christ, you don't have any hope outside of this world. And so, yeah, as a patriot and a constitutionalist and a conservative, you know, I'm disappointed. But... At the same time, there's a better world coming because I'm a Christian and I believe what the Bible says. So I believe it's coming on us so fast. I think most people out there don't even know the wave that's, that's hitting them or about to hit them. I mean, we're being thrust so fast into world government and this global reset and COVID-19 and all this stuff is just it's tools Satan is using to accelerate things. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when you're watching that wave come in, you know, it's a distance, but as it gets closer, it's uh, coming faster and faster and faster, you know, kind of feels like that. Next question. Revelation 12, 13, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, 
he pursued the woman. My question is, who is the woman? Revelation 12 and 13. I believe you're talking about the woman here. It says, woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and in agony, giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great dragon with seven heads and ten horns. On his head, seven diadems. Uh, his tail swept a third of the stars from heaven, casting them to the earth. And the woman gave birth to a male child that he might devour it. The male child, the one who would rule all the nations with a rod of iron. So who is that uh, woman there? Well, the woman is definitely not the church because it doesn't say church. And the church never gave birth to Jesus. <laughs> Jesus gave birth to the church when he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So I believe that the woman there is Israel in the tribulation. And she's clothed with the sun and the moon and the 12 stars. And if people will go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verses 9 and 10. And remember, Revelation has 404 verses in it. 278 of those 404 verses allude to the Old Testament. And so folks will look at Genesis 37, 9, and 10. They'll see Joseph's dream, how Joseph had a dream, and he narrated it to his father, you know, his father being Jacob. And Jacob, in verse 10, interprets the dream and says, what is this dream you've had? Shall I and your mother, that's the sun and the moon, and your brothers, that's 11 stars, Joseph being the 12th star, shall I and your mother and your brothers bow down to you? So Genesis 37, 9 and 10 says that the sun is Jacob, the moon is Leah, because Rachel already died at this point in Genesis 35, and then the stars are the 12 tribes of Israel, Joseph being the 12th star. So it's a prophecy, you know, that when Joseph would reach age 30, he would be elevated to second in command in Egypt, and his brothers and father, you know, would come to Egypt, moving from Canaan to Egypt to receive grain in the midst of famine. So when that identical imagery shows up in Revelation 12, verse 1, it's the sun and the moon and the 12 stars, if we're astute readers of the Old Testament, and Revelation expects us to know the Old Testament before we even read Revelation, because so much of it is allusion back to the Old Testament. When we read those verses, we should remember Genesis 37, verses 9 and 10. So it's the story there of the Messiah coming into the world through the nation of Israel, and then beginning in verse 6 to the end of the chapter, how the dragon or Satan in the final 42 months of the tribulation, you know, hates Israel and is trying to gobble up Israel so that the kingdom, remember, Israel is the gift that keeps on giving. God said, I'll bless the world through Israel. And the scripture has come to us through Israel. The Messiah has come to us through Israel. And then there's one more gift that's to come through Israel, which is the kingdom, which Satan hates, because he knows that when the kingdom comes, he'll be bound for a thousand years. And at the end of the kingdom age, he'll be thrown into the lake of fire. So he's trying, the dragon or Satan is trying to gobble up Israel in the final 42 months of the tribulation so that the kingdom can never be birthed on the earth. And so God has to supernaturally protect Israel, you know, by many believe by taking her to a place called Petra, you know, in Jordan, where she's going to be incubated or protected 
you know, during that terrible time period. So the woman clothed with the sun and the moon and the 12 stars, to my mind, is a clear allusion to the nation of Israel. All right, next question. What is the Jesus Seminar? And I'll give uh, Dr. Woods a break here, and I'll answer that one since I'm the one that mentioned it, and we do a lot of interaction with them. The Jesus Seminar is a gathering of maybe about 80 scholars that we would put on the liberal end. They deny the, they come from a naturalistic worldview mostly, and they deny the possibility of miracles. And so wherever you see miracles in the Bible, or Jesus claiming to be the Son of God, or resurrection, or prophecy, they immediately dismiss it as not part of the original Gospels. And their quest is to discover the historical Jesus. They believe there is the Jesus of faith, the one that we find in the Bible, the Gospels, which was written decades, maybe even a century after the life of Christ and the apostles, which is not correct, written in the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. You can go to Evidence and Answers and read my article or listen to my show on the historical reliability of the Gospels. But they claim that the Gospels were written not by the eyewitnesses, but decades or perhaps even a century later by people who weren't eyewitnesses passed down orally, and these traditions were embellished and eventually continued to be embellished and mixed in with Greek mythology. And now you've got a man who was simply a teacher, but now you've got a man who's now miracle-working, walking on water, feeding 5,000, and, you know, rising from the dead. And so uh, these scholars dismiss things like miracles a priori, all right? Without the evidence, they just dismiss it coming from their naturalistic worldview. And so they vote on what verses of the Gospels are authentic and what are not. And anything that really has prophecy or Jesus declaring himself to be the Son of God or miracles, like the resurrection, is dismissed. Right. So they dismiss about 80% of the Gospels there. And what you have is Jesus, who's really just a teacher or some kind of guy that attempted a political reform in Israel and pretty much failed in his mission there, and they deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many of these scholars were like Bart Ehrman, studied and grew up in evangelical churches and turned away from the truth. So it's filled with heretical or even apostate kind of teaching. Now, the Jesus Center is tremendously popular, but it's only a group of 80, and, and a lot of them don't even have their PhDs, right? But they're very popular. For some reading, the press loves them. They get a lot of press, and their books dominate the university and high school campuses in the West, especially. The high school I went to here was a Episcopal high school here in Hawaii, and it was all Jesus seminar stuff we were reading. That's how I ended up in apologetics. Christian University I went to was dominated by the Jesus Seminar books. And if you go to a regular university, state university or school, and you take a class in Christianity or religious studies, it's probably these guys that you're going to be reading. So they have so tremendous amount of books, but they're teaching a different gospel, a different kind of Christ. That's why I think their message is so dangerous. And many Christians have stumbled or been really discouraged by you know, the things presented from the Jesus Seminar. And some of the leaders there, John Dominic Crossan, Bart Ehrman, Marcus Borg, and others there, you saw them on a ABC Dateline special once, maybe about 10 years ago with Peter Jennings, right before Christmas. So you see a lot of their stuff popping up right before Christmas and Easter. 
but that's a group that you need to be aware of and be able to answer the arguments that they present because they're a very, very popular group there. And you can go to our website at evidenceandanswers.org and hear my uh, interviews with some top New Testament scholars and some of the articles we've written on the Jesus Seminar there. All right, here's another one for you, Andy. Kim asks, I understand that the vaccine for COVID-19 is not the mark of the beast. However, I do believe that the wearing of the mask and scanning for our temperature is part of the conditioning of people, perhaps, for the coming mark. My question is, if we are not raptured prior to the release of the vaccine, and if it does become mandated in order to buy and sell and travel, is it in the scriptures for this type of society to truly exist before the rise of the Antichrist? Interesting. Yeah, well, I have some strong views on the vaccine and all these regulations, but it's important to understand that they are not yet the mark of the beast for the simple reason that we don't have a beast yet. And you're not going to have a beast until subsequent to the rapture, you know, the removal of the restrainer. And everybody on the world will know who the Antichrist is, and they will know that they are assigning themselves to hell if they take the mark. So I don't like to create unnecessary fear, you know, in people that if they take the vaccine, you know, they've taken the mark of the beast. But at the same time, Bible prophecy is such that the prophecies don't just come into existence in a vacuum. You know, the stage has to be set. And by the way, that's true with the first coming prophecies. Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 say that the Messiah had to be pierced. Now, how could that happen when the Jews stoned people to death? They didn't pierce people. Well, the stage was set for that those prophecies to be fulfilled 60 years in advance when the Romans came to power through General Pompey in 63 BC and removed from the Jews the right to execute their own criminals. That's why Israel had to turn Christ over to Rome for execution, and that was stage setting for the fulfillment of the prophecies, which say he had to be pierced. So what I'm saying is sometimes there's stage setting involved before prophecies happen, and I would say all this stuff with the, the mark and masks and not being able to go into stores and purchase things, you know, unless you have the mask and all of these things, I think it's largely psychological conditioning for the mark of the beast, but you won't formally have the mark of the beast until after the rapture. So I, you know, my personal plan, I don't tell people, other people what to do, but you know, I'm, I'm going to resist all this stuff as long as I can. I don't like any of it, but I don't want people to think that if they take the vaccine or whatever, or if, you know, they put a mask on to get into a store that they're somehow succumbing to the mark of the beast. It's psychological prep for it, in my opinion, but it's not the official mark of the beast yet. Yes. All right. Here's another one from our live studio audience here. If Biden becomes president, what is the future of the Abraham Accords? I guess we saw with President Trump, you know, he took a strong stand against Iran and backed Israel very strongly. So perhaps that's what helped lead to the Abraham Accords here. Seemed like with the Biden-Obama presidency, they seem to be not as strong in support of Israel and seem to kind of want to deal more on friendly terms or kind of appease Iran. So what would be the effect here if Biden becomes the president? Is, do you think there will be any kind of effect to the Abraham Accords here? 
Well, it's kind of interesting. The Abraham Accords were very disliked by Turkey and Iran and the Palestinians. And I remember the Obama administration, you know, that Biden was a part of, gave us that terrible Iran deal. And it was almost an anti-Israel administration. And it was very pro the enemies of Israel, like Iran. And so I would speculate that if Biden, you know, becomes our president, by the way, if he becomes president, he really won't be the president because everybody knows that he doesn't have the mental acuity or the physical stamina to be the president. So it's going to be Kamala Harris as our president. She's going to be the dominant influence, and she's nothing more than a puppet of the one-worlders and the globalists. So, you know, God forbid, should that happen, and I'm praying it doesn't, but, you know, it always could. I think you're going to see a very, we're going to go back to the lopsided Iran deal type of mentality that we had in the Obama administration, which to my mind weakens the Abraham Accords, because Iran is against the Abraham Accords. Do you think the Abraham Accords would stay or think you'd see it dissolve and kind of fall apart at that point? Well, I think it's hard for them just to dissolve because you have that prophecy that we mentioned earlier about the Gulf states protesting. And so to me, it makes very logical sense that the Gulf states are protesting because they have a trade arrangement with Israel. So it's just hard for me to believe that they can just evaporate. I think they'll still be there. You know, but I, I do see a very lopsided pro-Iran, you know, almost anti-Israel mindset, you know, coming out of our administration if Kamala Harris becomes our acting president. All right. Next question. What role or position has Benny Gantz taken in the Abraham Accord? Is Israel more supportive of Netanyahu and the Abraham Accord? I think first, Benny Gantz is the man who ran against Netanyahu. And I, I think that uh, vote came to a stalemate, didn't it? They had to do a runoff and uh, yeah. kind of thing and wasn't really sure who actually won, kind of like us, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, my understanding is the Israelis really like the Abraham Accords because A, they're anti-Iran, and B, they're recognizing Israel's right to exist. And C, they're, they're really not made with nations that have fought Israel in the past. You know, neither of those nations, whether it be Bahrain or the UAE, have been an enemy of Israel. So my understanding is those are pretty much accepted across the board, whether it's Gantz or Netanyahu. All right. Here's a question here from our live studio audience here. Are any nations such as China mentioned in the Bible, in the end times. Well, I'll take that one. I'll give uh, Dr. Woods a break. And being that I'm Asian, I have great interest in that question. China, like the United States, is not mentioned in the Bible or any Asian state like uh, Malaysia or India. Maybe a, ref maybe a possible reference might be Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. During the tribulation, it says, The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its waters was dried up to prepare up the way for the kings from the east. So here in the uh, final battle, we have armies coming from all over the world. And here the kings from the east are east of the Euphrates there. So that would primarily mean east of 
Iraq. So perhaps maybe there, if China and India are, are superpowers at that time, perhaps that might be an indirect reference to those two. But really, it's not clear, but perhaps. But you know, it could be, you know, the largest church in the world, although this is uh, unofficial, is perhaps in China. And, you know, if the rapture comes, you know, a huge chunk of their population would be gone too. And another place where the church is growing very quickly is the country of India as well. And so if the rapture comes, they would have a big population too. Perhaps like the U.S. then, maybe they may be gone from the scene. But they're still around. Perhaps that verse in Revelation 16 may be an indirect reference there. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners, for the opportunity to donate. Head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Zucran.